As we start this year, we're going to start a new series called Identity Crisis. This is what we're going to be going through for the next four-ish weeks. And so um, I'm going to kind of set it up, kind of what it is. If you want to meet me in the Bible in 1 Corinthians, um, we will be reading from there. And I will kind of introduce what this series is all about. So identity crisis, what we're talking here is fake identities that are competing with our identity in Christ. I know those are some big words, some big terms that we really don't understand or know what those exactly mean. So before we dive into our passage, I really want to explain this idea of identity. First, we have what's called our our personal identity. You know, you have your own social security card, social security number. If you drive, you have your own driver's license number. It proves that you are who you say you are. My social security card proves that I am Kent Heinrichsen and not Mr. Hantak. What? My number? No. Good try, though. That is your personal identity. That proves that you are who you say you are. That's not really what we're going to be talking about. What we're going to be talking about is a different kind of identity. This kind of identity is what makes who you are. So let me explain this a little bit. So, for example, I identify as a Hornet because I'm an alumni of Eureka High School. It identifies a little bit of more who I am, and you can tell a little bit more about Kent Heinrichsen knowing that I came from Eureka High School. Things like this make us make up our personality and it describes who we are. Now, what we're talking about identity crisis is that there is an issue with people choosing to identify with certain things as in regard to their personality. So, for example, me. My name is Kent Heinrichsen. I can identify with a lot of different things. I'm a hornet. I'm a graduate of Moody Bible Institute. I'm a Cardinal fan. Woot woot! I'm also a Blackhawks fan. Woot woot! Uh, I gotta throw that one in there. I'm a youth pastor. That is my job. That's my title. I am part of Hype. That is an organization that I identify with. I can identify with my church, Crosspoint. I can identify identify with my wife, Amber. I could keep going and going and going about all the things that I can identify with. And all those things would make up who I am, would make up my personality. Are we getting this a little bit more of this idea of our identity? Things we identify with cause two things to happen. One, it can cause us to be unified. So, for example, who else is a Cardinal fan in here? I would be unified with all of you. But who is a Cubs fan in here? See, I would be at odds with you. Identities, they they do two things. They either unify or they divide not just in sports, but people who we follow, people who we like, our grade level, 
things either unify us or divide us. For example, who's in high school in here? Who's a high schooler? High school student? You're not. High school students are unified. You you can identify together as a high school student. You're not either. But as opposed to middle school students, you would say you are divided from them and the school system because you are no longer a middle school student. You are now a high school student. Do we see this concept of unifying, but yet also this concept of dividing? So with all this stuff that we can identify with, it can be really easy to be like, well, who is, who am I in a short sentence? Like, who, who, how do you describe me? What is my identity? And when you have so many things going on in your life, you tend to ask the question of, who am I? What defines me? We have what we call an identity crisis. You don't know really who you are. I mean, yes, you know your name, but... You're trying to find out your personality. You're trying to find out what defines you. So we have this problem. And how, how do we solve this problem of having an identity crisis, of not knowing really who we are? I would propose you solve it by doing this. You find the one person or one thing that you can trust on that is perfect and will never, ever fail you. You find the one thing that will last forever that won't ever fail you. And you put your whole identity into that person or that thing. You hold on to that thing. You brag about that thing. You hold on to it for dear life because it is the one thing that you know that will never, ever fail you. That's the solution to having an identity crisis. You've got to find that one thing. Got to find that one thing that will never, ever fail you. Now we know the only person who could ever fulfill this would have to be perfect, right? The only person who's ever lived a perfect life ever is who? Jesus. Yeah. He was God. Fully God, fully man. Sinless. Never failed. Never had any flaws. Never sinned. And he lives forever. He's not someone who just dies and stays dead. He died for our sins, but he rose again on the third day, and he now lives in heaven. He lives forever. He is the one thing, the one person that transcends all identities. He'll never die. He'll never let you down. He'll never fail you. And instead of dividing people, he unifies people. Yes, he divides the believers and unbelievers, but for those who are believers, no matter how many differences we have of likes or dislikes or fan clubs or who we are as a person, Jesus is the only one who can truly unify all of us. John 3.16 said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. We know that From that one verse, we see that he won't fail us. And for two, for God so loved the world, that hypothetically, if we all believed in Jesus, he is the one thing that could unify us all. So in in reality, Jesus is the one and only thing we should have our identity in. 
It, our identity in him should trump everything else in our lives. Does that mean that we can't be a part of any sports clubs or be fans of anything? No, not at all. And we're going to get into that later on. But I'm saying your identity in Christ should trump anything else in your life. He's the only thing that will never fail you, will never let you down, is only the thing that can truly unify us all. So, tonight, we're going to specifically talk about the identity crisis problem that many of us have when we put our, our top identity, or when we put the majority of our, who we are in public figures and organizations. That's kind of the topic for tonight. The next couple nights, we're going to talk about different topics, such as uh, a false identity of sexuality. That's next Sunday. And after that, we're going to be talking about the false identity of status and possessions. So I hope you come back for that, for those two. But tonight, we're going to be talking about people or groups of people, organizations, and why those are a false identity. Think of famous people, figures, celebrities in today's world. Every four years... We see this in our society. We have a presidential election. We have two people who become very popular all of a sudden in society. Well, one of them was president before. The other one, sometimes you didn't even know who they were two years ago. But yet, every four years, we have two people who become very popular in society. And every four years, you see the country the most divided it ever gets. You see the country in... in, in, in tension with one another. They're butting heads. They're fighting. They're arguing. They're slandering. They're talking bad about the other if, they, if you don't agree with them. That's an example of today's culture when you have famous people that you try to put your identity in. And if you don't agree with someone else, they like shame you for not agreeing with them. Or they think of you differently. They put you lower than what you ought to be held to because you're just as human as they are. We see this in sports. I can't tell you how many times I've heard of fights break out between Cub and Cardinal fans at like Cub and Cardinal games. Or like if you go to a college game, I like U of I, I'm an Illinois fan. If you go to a football game and you get booed because you don't agree with someone else about your particular uh, team that you like or following, we see teams, organizations, we see particular people, celebrities, very popular. They tend to divide rather than unify. And then you see people who we identify with, who we follow, that are popular in society. So, not even talking about politics, who's a famous person today? And I'll prove this to you, that they either divide or that they will fail. What's, who's a famous person? I don't even know who that is. Jason Aldean. Is he a singer? Country singer? Okay, country singer. Need I say more? That is divisive enough. Because, like, who doesn't like country music? Like, yep. So even a celebrity as a singer is going to be divisive, and he's not going to bring unity, but only to that small group, but not to everybody. There's no potential for it that singer to bring unity to everybody. Yes, I'll take two more. Noah. Any celebrity? Yeah, well, he's dead, so he failed already. So, 
Gandhi. Yeah. He failed because he's dead. If you put your identity in Gandhi, he's, he's a dead person. You're putting your identity in a dead person. Sorry. That's not going to work out well. Yes. Huh? What about his legacy? Yes, that is true. But in that same breath, that's a great question. What about legacies? Because we have people like Michael Jackson, right? who's famous, famous singer, if we go back to the singer, he's dead, but people are still fans of Michael Jackson. What you're doing in that moment in time is you're putting your identity in a, someone who is fallible, who failed, and who's, who's dead. And why, even if it's their legacy that continues, the person themselves are dead. It's hard to find an identity that's going to hold up when they're dead. Because you can never meet them. You can never talk to them. Like, they don't have an active social media. You might have fans, but then are you really following that person, or are you following the fans of that person? Does that make sense? Yeah. Go, Braden. Last one. Sure. Donald Trump. I mean, I was going to try to stay away from politics, but let's go for it. So, Donald Trump. How is Donald Trump going to fail? You, as a person, one day, he's going to die. But two... Is everyone on the same Donald Trump band in America? No. Have you seen social media lately? Enough said. He fails as a person of identity, as top identity, because he does not unify or the potential to unify everyone. Really is divisive. I'm not going to go on a political rant. That's why I wanted to stay away from that. But he's divisive not only in our country, but like in the world, he's very polarizing. So he'd be a poor person to put your soul identity or your highest identity or affiliation to. Because also, if your affiliation is Donald Trump, in four years, he's no longer going to be president. So then who, like, then why would I ever want to put my identity in Donald Trump if he's no longer president? Like, what else is he going to do? You see what I'm saying? No. But do you see what I'm saying? Like, if you put your identity in anything or any person other than Christ, they're always going to change. They're always going to come and go. And they're always going to die eventually. And they're always going to be divisive. You're, there's always going to be people who they are going to fail to unify. And nor do they even have the potential to unify everybody. The only person who ever can do that, or even has the potential, is Jesus. And why is that? Why does Jesus have the potential to unify us all? Because we're all what? Sinners. We all have sin, and we all need a Savior. We all technically don't need a singer in our lives. I can live without country music. But as a human being, I can't live without a Savior. I have to have it. Because I'm a sinner. So there's a necessity there. So was this, is this just as a problem in today? This polarizing cultural view of identifying with someone and causing me to be rivals with someone else. Is this only prevalent in today's culture? No. Good job. In our passage in 1 Corinthians, we see this. So if you have your Bibles, open to 1 Corinthians 1, verse 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10 says this. Now I urge you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
that all of you agree in what you say, that there will be no divisions among you, that you be unified, united with the same understanding and the same conviction. For it has been reported to me about you, my brothers and sisters, by members of close people, that there is rivalry among you. And what I'm saying is this. One of you says, I belong to Paul, or I belong to Apollos, or I belong to Cephas, or I belong to Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you, or were you baptized in Paul's name? Okay, so how in the world does this passage apply to our topic and what we're talking about today? How was this passage and what Paul was writing to the first Corinthian, uh, the Corinthians church, how does that apply to what we're talking about? Okay, there's three things that we need to see in this passage. Paul, first, is identifying popular people in that culture. We call them famous Christian celebrities. Kind of like today, for example, Tim Tebow, famous Christian celebrity. Celebrities who's popular in media and claims to be a Christian, right? Uh, so there's famous Christian um, celebrities. We see Paul, Apollos, and Cephas, and of course, Jesus. So he distinguishes that. So you already have celebrity culture in the early church. And so what's the problem here is that Christ, which is something that we're all supposed to be unified in, right? Hypothetically, we all can be unified in Christ because we're all sinners. We all need a Savior. We can all be unified in Christ. But yet, there's a problem in the early church that's causing division is because they're losing sight of that. And they're focusing on specific individual people for their identity. I follow Paul, or I follow Apollos, or I follow Cephas. They're choosing to put that as their identity, that person, over their identity in Jesus. The second thing we see here is that people are judging and putting down people who don't agree with them. We see this um, in, in verse 11, this word rivalry. There's rivalry among you. In the church, you have people who are going at it with other people because they disagree on who to follow. And they're disagreeing about who to follow in a human sense, not even following about Jesus. So already they are focusing on identities and different people that are dividing them, that are lesser than Jesus. That's the second thing we see, that there is rivalry among the early church in Corinth. Now, why does this matter? What is the root sin in causing division and, and, and not identifying with Christ as your primary identity and letting other things come into your life. What happens when, that, when you do that and rivalries break out and you really hate that person that doesn't agree with you and you're going at it and you, you really don't want to associate with them because they're different than you? What is the root sin and what is the root problem in that? What do you think? If you can summarize the Bible in two sentences, I said it a lot last year, we're going to say it a lot this year. If you can say the Bible in two sentences, what would it be? Yes, Mac. Love God and love others. If I am in a disagreement with someone, especially in the church, that I should be unified with because of Jesus, and I demean them, 
I make fun of them. I put them down because I am placing some other identity above my identity in Christ. I'm actually sinning against them because I am failing to love them as God loves me. I'm failing to, to love others. The second greatest commandment is love others, and I'm failing to do that. And if I'm failing to love others, what am I also failing to do, really? I'm failing to love God. Because I'm taking the love that God gave to me, taking it in vain and keeping it for myself and not showing that to others. So I'm failing to glorify God and love Him back. So I'm failing the first and second most important commandments in the entire Bible that Jesus said to follow. Do you see that there is a problem when we put our identity in something lesser than, something other than Jesus Christ? Now again, this part of the lesson, I only address this. It's not bad to be fans of the Cardinals or be fans of the Cubs. It's not a bad thing to choose what political party you follow. It's not bad to follow a certain team. It's not bad to associate yourself with being an upperclassman or, or being an, a high schooler or being a middle schooler. It's not bad to associate yourself with being from Eureka or, or, or being um, whatever background you come from. Or it's, it's not bad to associate with what job you have or what you do. The problem occurs is when we hold that whatever identity that it is besides Christ to such a standard that we are willing to not love people well because of it. Because me, as a Cardinal fan, I'm asked to love the Cub fan just as much as any other person. As a Blackhawks fan, I am required to love the Blues fan just as any other person. Do you see this? Do you understand this? Where having something lesser than Christ breaks down. It will fail you, one, but two, it causes division, and only your identity in Christ can fully unify people together. And Christ is the only thing that will never, ever fail you. Does that make sense? Are we following this? Are we tracking? Nod your head, yes, or shake your head, no. Yes? Yes. Okay. So, to just kind of recap quick, is that um, what, what we're going through in the next three weeks is this thing called identity crisis. We're trying to see how different identities will fail us. Today we talked about organizations and people and how Christ won't fail us in those areas. In fact, he will come through. He will be there always for us and how he is the one that we really need to put our identities in because those people, those celebrities, those organizations will fail us. And this is important because if we, f- if we try to choose to put our identity in something other than Christ, we are failing to love others well and we're failing to love God well. And that means we're failing the first and second most important commands that God ever wrote in the Bible. That Jesus reiterated in the New Testament and said that this is the most important commandment. And we're failing to do that. So tonight, as we go into small groups, we're going to have some questions. And as we leave here, I challenge you, whatever you identify with, 
whether it be a team, whether it be a person, whether it be a race, whether it be a status of an organization of being upper class or being in high school or middle school or, or being a football player, or being a basketball player, whatever it is, I ask that you hold that identity and inferior to who Christ is. And that no matter who comes across to you that may disagree with you, who may not be like you, who may have different personality than you, I ask you to love them as God loves you, unconditionally, willing to serve them, and willing to give and sacrifice for that person. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for this evening. Just thank you for the beautiful weather that you've blessed us with, that we can be outside, that we can gather as a student ministry, that we can talk about you, learn more about who you are and um, what you write in the Bible and just what you command of us, God. I just pray tonight as students go out and as leaders and just anyone who is here, God, I pray that we would be reminded that we need to put you first. That no matter what else is going on, no matter what else is pulling for our attention, that we identify with you first and we identify with you holistically and the most. God, and from that, I pray that you would give these students, that you give these leaders the strength and the patience to love the people around them well. That you would give them the grace when they fail. God, that you would forgive them. And I pray that when, when things come up and they are distracted and things are more important than you in their lives, that you would cause them to recognize that and that you would bring them to repentance. And bring them back into just having communion with you, God. God, thank you for the students who showed up. God, I pray that you would bless them. God, help us to have good conversations as we move into small groups. God, we love you. We serve you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.